Hello, everyone. We are so excited to be switching things up here on Balancing the Biz. And we are introducing a three-part series all dedicated to travel. And we're going to be having Megan Grant with Go Cherish Tours. So listen on in. Hey guys, we have a very special episode today. We have Megan Grant with Cherish Tours with us, and we have a three-part series that we're doing with her, and today we are talking about everything to consider before travel, and let's just dive in. Megan, why don't you tell us who you are, what you do, and who you serve? Yeah, thanks for having me, both of you. I'm really excited to be here and talk to everyone about, you know, some of the nuances and travel um, me personally, I just launched my business this year. Uh, it's Go Cherish Tours. You can find me pretty much everywhere at that handle. I launched the business to serve women, especially. Um, for too long, the world has been limiting for women to travel, and I am trying to create a welcoming space for women to come together to travel together, make connection while supporting women along the way. So this first trip will be to Costa Rica in October and we'll be hosting 10 women that will all be able to go together to Costa Rica for a week and um, support some of the local women's economy while we're there. I love so all of that. Awesome. And I just want to add that I am one of those women who will be joining you. So if anyone is trying to decide if Costa Rica is right for them, just know that you will have a professional photographer there to commemorate the whole trip. Hell yes. That, oh my God. When Kate had told me that she was doing this, I literally was like, well, when is it? I'll go. <laughs> like immediate. I'm like, yeah, sure. Let's do it. And I unfortunately have to work that weekend, but I will be there in spirit with you both. I'm so excited for you to join us, Kate and Megan. You'll just have to come next time. I know. I yeah. definitely want to. I saw it on your Instagram recently. I don't know if I saw where it was uh, officially, but where did you say you were planning for next year? So um, it is not official yet. I'm still doing research on it, but I hope to um, be able to add one to two trips next year. I'm considering things that are much different than Costa Rica. So places like Scotland, um, Alaska, things that would just give a good contrast to a tropical vacation. That's cool. That's really Alaska smart because I be think awesome. like, oh, right. <laughs> Yeah, I'm super drawn to Alaska. Not official, but it's definitely one that I'm, I feel really connected with. Mm -hmm. And I had one other random question for you. How did you land on the name Go Cherish Tours? So um, I will bore you the long details of that, but really, okay. <laughs> it, <laughs> really it came from um, a lot of deep dive research online for different words that connected through travel. There was at one point that I was Googling different names of lilies because uh, the flower lily is actually symbolic of different travels and different things like that. And so I went down a deep rabbit hole and I just landed on Cherish because I think it really symbolizes the life that we want to live, to just cherish time, cherish travel, cherish yourself, 
cherish your community, each other, women, etc. So um, it just really sat with me as something that drew me into the lifestyle I want to share with others. I think I that embodies, it, it embodies everything that you represent for sure. And I haven't known you that long, but I think everything that you post definitely kind of hovers around that word. Yeah, I really appreciate that compliment because it took some time to decide on the name. I didn't want to just be like Megan Travels or Megan's Travel Company. I really wanted it to be something meaningful that could be something that the community of people who join me and the community that Cherish becomes would resonate with. It's such a good name. And I love the meaning that you have behind it because I think it really does, like Kate said, I think it really does fit everything that you post and everything, which is a good thing because it means that your brand is very cohesive. Thank you. I really appreciate that compliment. It's definitely something that I focus on and put a lot of work in on the, on the front end to make sure that it's a welcoming community and also, you know, speaks to self-care and cherishing yourself and cherishing the one life that you do have. Oh yeah. And one thing that I was just drawn to when I was connected to you from Sarah was that I totally just am in love with traveling myself and the whole experience around traveling is what I'm drawn to. And I could never find the right word to describe that. And cherish is totally the word I was thinking of. Yeah, I think that's totally true. It's it's definitely something that's connected travel and cherish. It's not only cherish your travels and the memories that you make while you're traveling, but cherishing the life that you have. And for me, cherishing the life that I have is is by going out and traveling and connecting with others and taking on different experiences and learning opportunities and just the differences in beauty in our world. That's amazing. What a great intro. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. (laughs) It's beautiful. Yeah. Okay. So let's get into some of the travel stuff that we're going to talk about today. And our first question for you is how do you narrow down locations to plan trips? And this is something I struggle with every time. I'm like, oh, I want to go somewhere because I usually have so many places on my vision board that I want to visit. Yeah. I mean, my bucket list is endless. Um, I've already been to 34 countries in my life. And I think when I recounted, it was 31 states. So I've done quite a bit of traveling already, but I feel like the more I travel, the more my list grows. Uh, I don't think there's ever a you've been everywhere. There's always somewhere new to go see, even if you've already been to that state or that country. I'm a true believer and that you can even travel within your own hometown. So I just, when I'm picking a destination, for me, because I haven't been quote unquote everywhere, I start with the places I haven't been yet. And so that starts to narrow my list down to consider uh, Japan, for example, since I've never been there. Uh, But then you have to also start to consider time of year, weather, the things that would make your trip a good one, something that would be of value to you. It would be really disappointing if you were to go to Vietnam during monsoon season. Uh, yeah. You would not have as good of an experience as if you were to go during their, um, actually, I think it's winter that doesn't have the monsoon season. So definitely considering 
uh, the weather and the time of year. And then depending on who you're traveling with is when safety concerns start to come into play. There tends to be a lot more safety concerns when you're traveling as a solo female versus traveling in a group or traveling with your family, or even if you were traveling with yourself and your spouse. Um, So there's just certain safety things you need to be aware of and you need to do research upfront to be connected with the different current events that are going on in a place. So uh, for example, if a country is in a civil war or is having some type of um, large COVID outbreak, they haven't gotten the vaccine yet. There's just different concerns for your safety that you wanna consider and research before ending up in the country. Especially as Americans, uh, there can be certain countries in the world that are not as welcoming open arms to us as you would hope for. So you just need to consider those and play that into your decision when you're choosing the location that you want to go. Um, I think I would also add to consider the the cost of that, um, of the trip itself. So the cost of the trip itself is a big factor depending on your budget. There are a lot of countries that are a lot more affordable than others. So going to Thailand, for example, is a lot more affordable once you're in the country than going somewhere like Norway. So depending on your budget and what you're trying to... Uh, spend on your trip, you need to consider those things as well. So, and the last two things I would also consider is definitely the first question you want to ask yourself before you even look at any of the other factors is what are you trying to get out of the trip? Do you want to have a relaxing beach vacation? Do you want to go on hikes? Do you want to tour museums? Do you want to see architecture, what is your goal from the trip? Because if it's beaches, then you're not going to end up in Scotland. If it's going to see architecture, you might not end up in, uh, let's say, St. Martin in the Caribbean. There's just different things to consider that will help you narrow down what you want to see and what you want to do. And it leans into more planning of that. And then the last thing I would say to consider in your location is the accessibility of that place. Greenland is one of mine and my boyfriend's dream destinations, but it's currently not very accessible. You have to travel, I think we looked up the flight path the other day, and you travel through Amsterdam back to Reykjavik in Iceland, then to Greenland. So you're making this weird U-turn to even get there, and the cost of flights is insane. Uh, because it's just not accessible at the moment. So just considering, you know, how much time you have in your trip, if you can have a direct flight, it saves you a lot of time in getting to and from someplace. What is the price of a trip like that? (laughs) (laughs) I think when we looked up the the flight cost to Greenland, it was something like $2,200. It was absolutely outrageous. Yeah, per person. Wow. Damn. That that is a lot of flight time. Yeah. Flight time is definitely something huge to consider in your, in your planning process as well, because if you only have like a week for a trip, if you have a flight, that's going to be 24 hours, for example, then you've now taken two full days, potentially more with a time difference off your trip. So if you're Mm -hmm. going all the way to Thailand, you might be looking at 24 
or more hours in your travel time to get there. So you want to make sure that you have enough time to actually enjoy the place when you arrive. Mm. Yeah, I'm a big fan of direct flights because I do not want to be <laughs> detouring <laughs> at all. <laughs> yeah, me me and my boyfriend have actually gone back and forth on he really wants to go back to Hawaii, but I'm like, let's just go to Puerto Rico. Hawaii is absolutely amazing, but you need a lot of time from the east coast of the United States to get over to Hawaii. Where if you lived on the west coast in California, or Colorado, it's like a three it's hour maybe, flight. Yeah. Yeah. It's like way more accessible to get to Hawaii than it is to get to the Caribbean. So it's kind of like give and take depending on how much time you want to spend somewhere. Yeah, These are all such sense. amazing points and things that I don't think that the everyday person is thinking about when they think about planning a trip. Yeah. It's definitely one of those things that, um, I'm a true believer in is doing your research ahead of time and making sure that you know the ins and outs of what you're getting yourself into as part of your vacation. Vacation is amazing when it can be just that, a vacation. And it takes a lot of prep and research and planning to make it feel like a vacation when you're actually there. So having those considerations as part of your planning is, is really something that me as a professional or other professionals can help you with, or it's something that if you're willing to do, I definitely suggest going ahead and doing that research up front so that you can consider safety, your time there, your enjoyment, the things that you're going to do. Um, it also is helpful when, you know, there's certain cultural things to consider so there's just a lot of benefits that you get from planning ahead. A lot of people wing it and do just fine, but there's just for larger trips, especially international trips, I am a true believer that planning ahead and knowing, I wanted to say knowing your shit. Is that okay? Yeah, go, yeah. yeah. Are you kidding it. me? I, fuck, fuck, fuck. <laughs> say whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I wasn't sure. I hesitated. <laughs> and we're Should leaving we... this in. Yeah. <laughs> leaving all that in okay um yeah so like when you know you know your shit you just you know have a better time and you don't run into things being sold out or you needed the reservation or to book something specific ahead of time and you can't get in there's just a lot of things that doing your research planning and knowing your shit uh benefits you for this is something agree with that yeah, this I was going to say, this is something I struggle with with my boyfriend because I'm a hardcore planner. I want to know exactly what we're getting into and have, I wouldn't say every minute planned out, but just have like our days like structurally figured out. And he's like, oh, we'll just go down there and we'll decide what we want to do when we get down there. And we were supposed to go to Aruba in 2020, but that was canceled. And literally I booked everything, figured out the hotel. And I was like, okay, we need to figure out our excursions and what we're going to do. And he was like, oh, one day I want to, you know, rent a Jeep and just go like explore. And I'm like, we have to reserve that ahead of time. And he's like, no, we can just get it when we get there. And I'm like, okay, everybody else is going to be doing that. And we're going to be shit out of luck, <laughs> basically. So yeah. that. For sure. it, it's definitely difficult, you know, because there's certain things that you run into. For example, uh, we just went to Zion National Park and you need to reserve uh, the shuttle bus thing ahead of time in order to actually go further past like the 
it's really not that exciting unless you get the shuttle pass to go into all the famous parts of Zion. And if you were unaware of that shuttle and reserving the shuttle, then you would show up to Zion and not be able to like go see the things that you've seen everybody post about on Instagram or whatever. And, you know, we've actually run into that when we were in Hawaii, my mom was not aware that in order to see the Nepali coast, you needed to reserve a ticket into the national park ahead of time. And so we showed up at the gates and they're like, where's your reservation? We're like, we don't have one. So we were able to see it from a different overlook. And we had to kind of think on our feet when we were there to make the most of it. But planning ahead definitely gets you into those things and helps you avoid those situations so that you're not just like standing at the gate going, what do you mean I needed a reservation? What do you mean I needed to reserve that ahead of time? At bare minimum, when I go on a trip, I make sure to, to reserve a car if we don't have one and need one and the hotels. And then things can be pieced in in between, but you definitely run into if you don't book those excursions or shuttles or entrance fees or whatever ahead of time where you can, you run into it being sold out and you not being able to go because of it. Yeah, I know there are like some things out in like Arizona, Utah, like special locations that you have to reserve that six months in advance. Yeah, there are certain things too now that are going into a lottery system, Mm -hmm. which if you don't have a reservation, you can go ahead and enter yourself into the lottery system. But then you're taking a big bet on winning or getting there early enough to get the tickets before other people. So to just be safe. I always tend to be the person who likes to plan ahead and have it reserved and ready and know that I'm going to get to the things I want to see. That gives you peace of mind. Yeah, that was, yeah, exactly. That was a huge piece of when my boyfriend and I went on a cross-country road trip uh, about four years ago, and I planned so much of it because there were so many things like little pieces of it, like Antelope Canyon. You can't mm-hmm. actually even see it unless you get on a bus and you have to reserve that. And it was, it's crazy to me how much, if I hadn't had planned all of that, especially with something like that, where you're like having to drive to different places and figure out the timing and mileage and all of that. Um, I am an over planner rather than an under planner, but I know everyone's different. Yeah. And I think the suggestion I would add to that too is if you're someone who likes to have free time or to wing it, but there's certain elements of your international trip that you need to plan, schedule, this sounds kind of like an oxymoron, but like schedule in your free days so that if you're there for a week, for example, and you kind of want to wing it for some days because you might not have known ahead of time exactly everything that you wanted to do, that's totally cool. Choose two days of the seven to make your free days and fill that with the time that you want and choose and the activities you can do when you get there. That is such a good little tip, Megan. (laughs) Okay, so all of this research, it's overwhelming for people that don't travel a lot. It's gotta be. Um, What are your like certain resources or anything, like your go-to places that you go to to do this research and to figure it all out? Yeah, so I definitely have a lot of experience in this because I've been the person for many years planning groups, trips for my friends, for girl trips for for me and one friend, trips for my boyfriend and I. I planned my entire trip 
it was 88 days. So just under three months to Europe. So I have a lot of experience, which is why my first suggestion kind of sounds like, okay, Google gives you everything, but really Google gives you everything when you deep dive and go down rabbit holes. So when you kind of know what you're looking for or where to look, Google is helpful. But when you don't know what you're looking for and you don't know where to look, Google can kind of be overwhelming. So from there, I like to look at blogs. Uh, There's a lot of bloggers out there right now that give you really great access to information based on their own travel experiences. So it makes it more personal as well as if you're, let's say a 20 something year old girl and there's someone who is a blogger who is a 20 something year old girl, they're gonna give you the perspective that you're looking for as well. You can have common interests potentially by looking at a blogger who has similar similar likes and dislikes to things that you do. So blogs are definitely a huge access and resource to information, especially uh, because blogs don't necessarily always have these paid advertisements or uh, paid to be on the first page that Google does. That would be a resource that I would definitely recommend. And then from there, I would also say that if you're going to Costa Rica, for example, there is a visitcostarica.com website that the tourism board has actually spent a lot of time putting together to show you the activities, the excursion hosts, the hotels, restaurants, different things that you have access to. Costa Rica's website also currently has all of the information you need to know about coming in and out of Costa Rica during COVID. So there's a lot of really great resources to consider and find via the tourism's actual destination. Uh, There's a lot of money and marketing that goes into those websites. So that would definitely be a good resource as well. Uh, Then I also lately have been using Airbnb experiences as a source for information. You can learn about what activities are offered in the area, but then also what the cool attractions are. If there's 10 tours being offered for like one thing, that would definitely be something you can consider to go to with or without a tour. So there's just different ways of finding information via their their experiences guide. And Airbnb puts out tons of articles about travel as well that you can stay on top of. And for flights and stuff, I like to track Google flights. I also like to track flights on Skyscanner. Uh, They give you a lot of information about when flights go up, when flights go down, prices, direct flights. You can even on Skyscanner put in your location. So I'm in Atlanta. So I can say Atlanta to everywhere. And then it gives you a whole list of flight prices, low to high. So that if you're someone who doesn't know that you want to go directly to Utah, you're kind of open to out West anywhere. You can start looking at this list and see where the cheapest destination might be and start planning your trip from there. There's tons of resources on the internet narrowing it down tends to be what makes it somewhat difficult. So just choosing a place to start is where I would say 
you know, is your best bet. Just choose a place to start and have fun with it. If you fall in love with the place that you're going to, it makes the planning a lot easier. And if you just don't have the time and energy, spend that little extra to pay a professional to do it for you. And a lot of times travel agents don't end up being more expensive than if you were to plan the trip on your own. When I found that fact out, I was mind blown. I was like, that is bonkers to me, but it makes a lot of sense because a lot of times you guys have access to a little bit cheaper, um, like options and stuff, right? Yeah. So insider information here. I don't know if a lot of people share this, but I don't really mind. Uh, Travel agents tend to have agreements with excursion planners, hotels, uh, airlines, and otherwise, and make money off commission. So the cost of your trip might be exactly the same or very similar to what you would do if you planned it yourself. Sometimes it can even save you money because you're not going, they know better than you do where to book it, where to get the discounts, and they're still making money where they've negotiated through their commission. Also time is money. (laughs) I'm like, I'd rather pay someone to plan it out for me and then I can enjoy myself. (laughs) Hell yeah to that. Okay, Megan, what are your top three tips for planning trips? Yeah, so I was sort of mentioning this just previously. My first and top tip is to make sure you fall in love with the destination that you are going to. It really makes planning so much easier, so much more fun if you love where you're going. You want to know more about it. You want to do research about it when you love it and when you're excited about it. So that would be number one. I think the next critical thing is to make sure that you give yourself enough time to actually do the planning. So if it's an international trip, you might want to start a little bit before if it was just a road trip. It's something that you just need to take into consideration how long in advance you might want to start looking things up and making reservations. Potentially, if it's a road trip to a really popular destination like Zion right now is so popular Yellowstone is so popular, you might need to consider planning a little bit further in advance than you typically would. So definitely just making sure you give yourself enough time to make the plans and get the things in that you want to do. And then lastly, this is just a small tip, but it makes things so much easier for me, is just to create a separate email folder or a desktop folder or a folder on your phone or whatever you need to do to keep all of the information about your trip in one place. That way, when you show up and someone's looking for your reservation or for your confirmation or anything that you may need, then it's all there in one place for you. And you don't have to go seeking and being like, oh, I know I had that somewhere. It's really so easy when it's all in one folder and it's saved me so many times when I'm like oh uh I need to find this reservation they they're not pulling it up in their system or like whatever then I have it and I can just show it and it's there I love that you mentioned that because it's totally something that I do and I just have anxiety around not having what I need (laughs) for stuff so yes that would be my number one tip for sure yeah, that, it's so honestly, helpful. I've never thought about making a separate email <laughs> folder. I mean, for anything, but let alone for planning trips, that makes so much sense because then it is, it really is just organized all in one place. 
Yeah, I have a separate email folder for the trip out west that we just did. I had a separate email folder for when I went backpacking to Europe. I have a separate email folder for Costa Rica. I literally keep it all separate to make sure that it's organized and in a place that I can find it should I need it. That's amazing. And now that Megan just dropped that hot take or hot dip tip, uh, (laughs) hot dip. (laughs) I'll eat some hot dip. I'll bring the salsa. (laughs) (laughs) So now that Megan just dropped that hot tip, we are going to take a little ad break and we'll be right back. So Megan, something that you talk about a lot, and when we were doing our planning for this episode, we, Kate and I had never heard of this term really. And I mean, I I have never even thought about this, but can you explain to everyone what ethical travel means? Yeah, definitely. So when this question came up, I wanted to make sure that I provided the actual definition because there's so many takes on this. So I'll lead with the actual definition and then we can talk about my personal take on it. But really the actual definition reads, ethical travel means exploring your destination from a place of respect and reverence rather than from one of carelessness and entitlement. So I think that's huge and it really encapsulates it. But from my own interpretation, the being respectful and open-minded and compassionate part is the most important. So that when you're going somewhere, you're considering that the culture might be different than yours. The people may look different, may act different, may have different traditions, may have all of these different things that you don't see in your own hometown. And being compassionate and learning from those situations and being open-minded rather than approaching it from entitlement or this is what America would do. This is what we do in America. This is what we do in Georgia, wherever you're from. If you can go into it open-minded, it only improves your experience, but also improves the way people receive you when you travel. But ethical travel can go in lots of different directions. It can be considering the environment. It can be considering and supporting the people when you travel somewhere. There's lots of different aspects to ethical travel. Yeah, so I think it's really important to just leave a positive impression and have a smaller and footprint have a smaller footprint when you engage in these communities. And what I mean by smaller footprint is both economically not coming in and wiping out things, but also environmentally and just considering the places that you're going. A lot of times Instagram has become so popular and being Instagram worthy or getting that Instagram worthy shot has become so important that people will order more food than they need, will fill up a bathtub in a place that's experiencing a drought. And so when you travel ethically or engage in ethical tourism, you do your research ahead of time to know those things. For example, when I was in South Africa in Cape Town, they were experiencing a world record drought in that area. And we had signs on our showers that said, please limit your shower to two minutes or turn off the water when you're not rinsing. So there was this gorgeous bathtub in one of the places that we stayed and taking a bath is one of my favorite pastimes. It's how I relax. I love it. 
And when I have a gorgeous bathtub in front of me, my first inclination is to go ahead and fill it, take a bath, have a glass of wine, enjoy it, especially when on vacation. But because I was informed and knew about Cape Town's drought and what South Africa was experiencing when I was there, I'm being more ethical and considering things differently by not filling up that bathtub. And I can also speak to it from Cherish's perspective is that we support women's economy when we travel. So I do the research ahead of time to make sure that the selections are intentional to support women's economy. For example, our welcome dinner is hosted at a restaurant that is female owned. One of the hotels we're staying at is managed and operated by a woman. She also hosts startups on location that are female owned. So our travelers with Cherish will have the opportunity to know that their tourism dollars are doing good for women's economy in Costa Rica. And they'll actually have the opportunity to meet and engage with some of these women from local economy, women entrepreneurs or women who are in business down in the local area. So it's a really interesting way and really cool way to engage in the community in a way that not only feels good, but gives back to them as well. That's why I'm so excited for this trip. (laughs) That is so awesome. And I really wish that this is more like mainstream because I really don't feel like it's I mean, I've never seen it talked about, but that's such an important piece of travel is just being aware of your, where you're going and respecting the culture and the people that are there. And I mean, that is just so um, compassionate and it's just about being mindful, really, I think. Yeah, I truly believe that there's a ripple effect of kindness that comes back home with you when you experience differences in the world and you're opening your mind up to these different cultures, these different experiences and learning from them. Um, There's this phrase that this woman gave to me that's called expanding your consciousness. And it simply means that you exist where you exist with the consciousness that only you're aware of. And you can't expand that until you learn from other people's experiences. And for me, you learn the most from other people's experiences when you travel and you're open-minded in the places that you go to. I think ethical tourism is something that is up and coming. And the way that a lot of people have heard about it in the past is through voluntourism, alternative spring breaks, for example, where you can actually go to someplace and volunteer, which is also amazing, but that's taking ethical travel kind of up a level. It's, it's engaging in volunteering and giving back to that community and that place in a different way. Mm -hmm. So how does like taking the ethical travel in mind affect your choices and when you're planning a trip like your Cape Town experience I'm sure you didn't know that they they were going to go through a drought when you planned your trips so knowing these things how does this influence your your traveling yeah it definitely influences the way that I want to inform the people who travel with Cherish I think a big part of what I want to bring to the table and what I bring to the table as a professional is that I've done the research and I've been there. So I can inform my travelers the best way to be ethical and to be considerate in their own travels while 
were in Costa Rica, for example, or anywhere else. So it's really knowledge is power and giving that information to the travelers and asking the right questions when I go someplace ahead of time or from my strategic partners that I work with on location, just asking them those questions. For example, in Costa Rica, and this might gross some people out, but I'm going to share it anyways. In Costa Rica, you don't flush toilet paper. It, that's just it. Interesting. You, yeah. So is it because their sewage just like can't handle it? Exactly. So they have a different sewage system than in America. And it's actually very common, I guess. Uh, my, my friend was telling me that he grew up in Italy and they didn't flush toilet paper there either. So it's just something that you need to know so that if there isn't a big sign on the hotel door that says, please do not flush your toilet paper, being from America, you would never know or never consider not doing it. And you would look at the trash can with a lid on it next to your toilet as something to throw, you know, feminine products in or something else where it's really meant for the toilet paper. So there's just things that you need to know. And so that knowledge is power and me being the professional and me bringing travelers with me, I just take pride in that and making sure that I know those things ahead of time. I also, like I was mentioning before, make intentional selections on your behalf when I plan a trip. So when I'm doing the research up front, I make sure that I'm looking into hotels that are great places to stay, but also might fit that ethical category like the hotel that is female ran and operated that I mentioned before. So it just goes into both making sure that I'm educating my travelers and myself and being open-minded when I'm getting that information, but also goes into the selections that I make to make sure that I'm not hiring, for example, this sounds kind of extreme, but it happens like in Barcelona, I wouldn't hire a young tour guide who might be a member of a gang and bringing money back to their group you know you just there's things you need to look into right I have two follow-up questions for you please one do you does Costa Rica do they use bidets is that a thing because I know in Italy like they my boyfriend's friend is married to a woman that grew up in Italy and same thing with the toilet paper. They threw away their toilet paper, but um, they used bidets like often. Um, and that was when I learned that bidets, there's two different kinds of bidets. <laughs> Sorry, everybody, if this is gross, but <laughs> the one is like you sit on and you like face the back and you like actually put your hands in and like use to wash yourself. And that would be considered more of the European style, mm. like she was saying. And then the Japanese style bidet is what like we in America know as a bidet, which is the one that sprays. Mm. Isn't that wild? Yeah, I did not realize that because I have not been to Japan yet. So yeah, but in Costa Rica, none of the hotels that uh, we're staying in for our trip have a bidet. So you just wipe and throw it away. And so interesting. Yeah. But it's something that you don't have to be concerned about either because the level of hospitality at these hotels is so high that they come by once, maybe twice a day to make sure that they're taking the trash away from you so that there isn't sense left behind. (laughs) (laughs) Sense. And I guess my other point wasn't really a question, but I think 
I think ethical travel, when we talk about that, and this comes up a lot in like the sustainability movement and, and it all feels very overwhelming because it feels like you like don't want to make the wrong choice. But I think it's important to strive for just making the right choice when you can. So like when you're put in front of you for two choices of let's just take the hotel, for example, you have two different choices for a hotel and one is woman operated and owned and they support, you know, good, good quality um, efforts and everything versus the other one. You just want to, I think, make choices piece by piece. Is that right? Like just kind of like do what you can when you can. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. I would not dive in and be too overwhelmed. Again, going back to the, you can hire a professional if it's something that you really resonate with and you really want for your own vacation, you can work with someone who knows more about it than you might know right now. Uh, My mom raised me on the, you don't know what you don't know. So Mm -hmm. go ahead and start learning. And it's okay to not know everything. It's okay to be the person who might just not know in certain situations. Just do what you can, where you can and enjoy it. And maybe when you go back, you can do it a little bit better. The biggest things that I would just mention to be most considerate about is the culture of the place that you're going to and to try to not be judgmental of that. And just if you are or have concerns, have those conversations behind closed doors. And then to make sure that you're being considerate of the amount of food or water or whatever that you're consuming because depending on where you're at it might be really rude or just overstraining on a restaurant or a place to order absolutely everything on the menu just to take your Instagram pictures or whatever it's just to be considerate when you're choosing those things order only the food that you're actually going to eat drink from water bottles, don't take 30 minute long showers in a place that's experiencing drought. There's just, there's really easy small things that you can start with and then start learning more. Uh, I would also, a lot of people will will say that like the big box names, these big chains are not where you wanna start when it comes to ethical tourism. But that's not always true. A lot of these big chains have a lot of like environmental things that they're doing to improve on the way that they're being green. They employ and hire a lot of local people that need those jobs. So it's just doing what you think is right for your vacation and then doing the research to fill those gaps. That was beautifully said. Thank you for answering my question. Sure. So this is a really fun one. Do you have any tips for the overpackers and just like in general, how do we start packing light, especially for people I've never been backpacking before, but the idea of backpacking, I think initially sounds scary because of all of the reasons, but also like, how do you know what to pack and what not to pack? Yeah, uh, I am totally guilty of being an overpacker especially when I yeah right I have I think it's maybe like a feminine trait to be an overpacker but I maybe am not the perfect person to be like I know how to give you all the best answers to not overpack 
but it definitely goes back to planning ahead. If you're provided a packing list, for example, stick to it. And then the other thing that I would say is that there's a lot of ways if you strategically are fashionable or know things about your wardrobe that you can layer or pack an item that matches with many things like a white linen shirt, for example, that can go with jean shorts and your leggings and whatever. So you can only pack that one shirt and it's multiversited. So is that a word, multiversited? I just made that up. Multifaceted? <laughs> I think you were trying, I think you mixed up, you put together multifaceted and versatile. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So they're versatile. It's versatile. Yes. <laughs> so I actually, my, my friend, Rachel, she owns a company called The Secondhand Stylist, and she is really good at this. The whole, it's called capsule closet, where you have 10 or less items or even capsule closets can be more than that. But for uh, carry on, for example, we made this packing list that's 10 items or less that you can fit in your carry-on for a warm weather destination. And the point of a capsule closet is that everything in your wardrobe goes with everything else in your wardrobe. So again, being versatile and matches and does different things in different ranges so that you have less items on hand. So that packing guide is free on my website if you want to go check it, check it out. And also just considering that as a tip is just making sure that there's different things that you can pair and match with other things and then pay attention to the packing list and do your planning ahead of time, plan out your outfits, lay them out on the floor for each day. If you're going on a zip line excursion and you know that, then you can bring your leggings and your t-shirt and your tennis shoes for that day. And then the next day you're going to be having a beach day. Then you pack your bikini or bathing suit or trunks or whatever the heck you want and your cover-up and your towel. So if you lay it out, you tend to have only the things you need rather than overpacking. That is 100% what I do when I pack. I, and I think it comes more from like a place of I need to, like I have anxiety about not having everything I need. So Me, I'm like, 100%. I see it all out. I'm like, okay, I know that I have to go to dinner. Like I know I need two outfits for this day and just one for this. And like, it really does help to have like, and again, this goes back to having a really good plan in place because if you have a good plan in place, then you're going to know what you're going to need for each day. Exactly. And on my website also, once you've booked a trip with Cherish, you can actually access what I've called the exclusive guest page, which gives you a ton of resources for the upcoming trip, airline information, different things like that, travel insurance. But one of the things that is also included is I've made a packing list for the Costa Rica trip, for example, that tells you one nice outfit, three to four comfortable outfits pack one long pair of socks, those types of things so that you know and can start considering and planning out those outfits so that you can pack lighter and not overpack. Uh, especially in a place like Costa Rica, the hotels we're staying at do not have elevators and it's just easier to pack in smaller suitcases so that you can get it around. I don't so think I'm going to get around overpacking for this trip because I know Costa Rica is hot and I tend to sweat. So I'm going to need like three outfits a day. 
which is also totally fine uh costa rica is one of those places that yeah it's hot and humid so bringing stuff that is what's it called when it's like isn't it like wicker or something where it's moisture wicking yeah Yeah. so stuff like that is great and having a towel that is like that as well so that it's not soaked every single day obviously the hotels provide you new towels if you need it those types of things but having those with you can sometimes just give you that comfort a little sweat rag so kate's gonna be bringing (laughs) (laughs) plus kate you have to carry all of your um your cameras and all your photo gear well i am actually buying a new like camera gear backpack that i can also put clothes in because i have anxiety around my bag getting lost like during my travel (laughs) because it's happened to like all of my friends at some point so um that i can just sling over my back but yeah my suitcase is probably gonna weigh probably the limit that they give you (laughs) (laughs) for your check bag (laughs) Yeah, I think that brings up a really good point, though, Kate, is that there is a lot of anxiety around losing your bag. So another thing that I would throw out there is that it's always smart to bring a backpack or a carry-on small one if you don't really need the full-size one, just for some essential items so that if by chance you do lose your bag, you had a change of clothes or change of underwear packed in your carry-on something like your camera that you definitely don't want to lose, you have with you, your passport, those types of things that you really, really don't want to lose. Those are the things that you put in your carry-on so that you don't lose them. Okay, so following up with the whole packing question, if you could only pack five things, not including like your essentials and clothes, what would it be? So the things that I actually wrote down for this question, some of them are practical and some of them are not so much, uh, but I wrote down, I have an elephant squishmallow. I know people can't see it on the podcast, but this is oh my, my elephant. Oh it's so squishy. <laughs> um, it's something that- I want it. I love elephants. <laughs> <laughs> elephants are my favorite animal. Me too. Uh, oh, really? <laughs> yes. Both named Megan and both love elephants. Is your favorite flower also a sunflower? <laughs> Shut the fuck up. You guys obviously can't see it on the on the podcast, but she has a tattoo. Oh my gosh. This is my sunflower tattoo. Oh my god. All right, yeah, y'all, we both have sunflower tattoos. That's kind of insane. This was meant to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What in the Funny. world? but yeah so my squishmallow is one of those that is not super practical Uh, a lot of people like to try to pack their own pillows which if you're someone who absolutely needs it go ahead and like bring it on the plane with you don't put it in your suitcase they'll let you bring it like in your arms onto the plane but so squishmallow would be like an impractical one and then the other ones that I wrote down my noise canceling headphones are a must I absolutely love them on the plane and then if for whatever reason if I was staying in a place that felt loud or I needed to get some work done and there's things going on around me, the noise canceling headphones saved my life. I broke waterproof phone case as well, because if you want to go to the beach or go kayaking in a place like Costa Rica, it's just great to give you peace of mind to have a protective phone case so that you can take pictures when you're out on the water or sitting at the beach. Then I also wrote down playing cards in a good book. So good book for me, especially during solo travel is like a buddy. 
it allows you to go out to dinner by yourself. It allows you to sit down at a restaurant and feel good about it. Whatever it is that book keeps you company and fills time and allows you to decompress and not let your mind wander. It's great for sitting at a beach. Good book is like must have. And cards is one of those things that there are plenty of card games you can play by yourself, but also it's inviting to make friends and bring people along with you. And so it's one of those things that I just like to have in case it rains, in case you don't want to go out for a nighttime activity. Literally, it's just a great thing to have to create community while you're traveling. I love that. I always take a book with me too, because I love to read on the plane and fill that like empty time with something. And I'm laughing about it, but you guys, I'm going to start my Kindle ad here again. (laughs) (laughs) Every time. So Megan, if you haven't, if you haven't listened to any of the episodes where we've mentioned reading and I've talked about my Kindle, you're missing (laughs) out. But seriously, y'all, I've mentioned this before, but I love my Kindle for that exact reason. It's small and I can have as many books as I want with me at any point. And the battery lasts like forever. So you, even if you had, were going on a week-long trip, you probably wouldn't have to charge it while you're there. Yeah, and I'll add to the Kindle ad, you do have weight limits for your suitcases and stuff. So if you bring your Kindle, then you don't have to worry about your three books weighing a pound each and then taking up space. Yeah, exactly. Amazon needs to give us money. Come on, Jeff Bezos. <laughs> <laughs> But I really love what you said on a more serious note about the playing cards. And I honestly can't remember the last time that I have like picked up a thing of playing cards and actually played with them. And that is such a good point when you're in a new place, especially for going solo, just having something like that. It's like everyone can connect on that. Yeah, everyone can sit down and play a game of, you know, go fish or something like (laughs) it's easy. Yeah. And Another one, if you don't have playing cards and somehow it's easier for you to get dice, get dice. There's dice games that you can play that are just as inviting. We've met people at the bar by playing games like code names, having cards, having dice, just like sitting the two of us at a bar or even just me at a bar, you know, with a book, it invites people to say hello and to, to start making those connections. And really a big part of travel is making connections and friendships and trying to remove yourself a little bit from your regular day to day and having more connection to the community and the place that you're in. Well, yeah, Megan, all that. you're awesome. thank you (laughs) and we are going to I know Megan mentioned it that you can find it on her website but we're going to be linking all of her links and everything and we'll get um, the link specifically to the capsule wardrobe list for you guys and put it in the show notes as well yeah well thank you Megan for spending time with us and we have two more episodes that'll be coming up after and we'll sprinkle them out through the summer. And I'm really excited to record and spend more time with you. I'm super excited to be here. And I hope really the biggest takeaway that anyone tuning in gets out of this is that travel is worth it. And that there's a lot of things that go into it. But if you make good choices, do your research, then and start saving, I guess, like get out there and go for it. That's awesome. On that note, guys, we will talk to you later.